Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 8. Isaiah chapter 8. I would remind you this morning as your pastor, uh, though I have only been here for a year, yet our church is still in a transitional stage. I say that because um, there, there we have, as you know, and I again, I just speak to you as your pastor, we've, we've seen our heyday and yet we find ourselves in transitioning of um, others rising up to leadership and others fading to the background as a result of health or whatever that may be. Um, stay encouraged. You know, I had to remind myself every day in the ministry, uh, the ministry is not based upon only a select group of people. This is God's church. These are God's people. And it is God who is in control. Amen. And uh, so uh, don't, don't, let that, don't let that keep you down. And uh, sometimes I know, and I just speaking bluntly this morning, we're a little thin in numbers this morning. Don't let that define your worship to the Lord today. And don't let that define how you receive the word of God. I know I can be guilty of that. And uh, I can be guilty of that even in speaking. And that, that the number of people can de define my energy level even. Um, but uh, that should not be. And it is our very sin nature that causes us to feel that way. And so as we are together here in the presence of God, and we believe that today, uh, let, let's uh, come to the Lord in prayer and ask God that he would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray and ask again, Lord, that you would bless uh, this time together in the studying of your word and the preaching of your word. I pray that you would give clarity and understanding. I pray that you would uh, bring us uh, to the point and place in our lives uh, in accordance to this message as you would intend for us to be. Lord, it's, it's uh, without a doubt that this morning we are carrying burdens. There are things in our minds and our hearts, things that would weigh us, things that would distract us. And so Lord, I pray that this morning for this next uh, few moments that are ahead of us, Lord, may we um, just give our minds and our hearts completely to you that we would open ourselves up uh, to the application of your word. Bless us now in our time together, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 8, and we'll look together in verse number 11. The Word of God says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me, that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin, and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble, and fall, and be broken, and be snared, and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples." I want you to notice with me, the Bible tells us in verse number 11 that an instruction is being given to the prophet Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, he's speaking concerning the things to come of the children of Israel. In fact, if you, as you study the book of Isaiah, you would find the remnants that is referred to, the, the, uh, what would be left of the children of Israel in the judgment that was to come. We find other areas of prophecy and things that uh, had happened even in the past that are once again foretold of. But in this particular passage of Scripture, there is instruction which is being given uh, to Isaiah. And as he speaks for and to the people, um, notice the instruction that he gives, that he is given. The Bible tells us in verse number 11, following that phrase, the Bible says, He instructed me that I should not, here's the first thing, 
walk in the way of this people. Number two, the Bible tells us in verse number 13, to sanctify the Lord of hosts. And number three, we find in verse 16, he says, bind up the testimony. It is these three things that with the Lord's help uh, that we would look together at today and understand the instruction that God has for every one of us as Christians, for every one of us as God's people. You may be like me, maybe uh, as the average man would, you get a brand new package of something, a shelf, or uh, maybe it's a toy of some kind to build for your child. And uh, there is a number of things that come within that box or that package. Uh, pieces, screws, uh, you know, uh, styrofoam, cardboard, it's all carefully packed together. And one thing you'll undoubtedly find, unless it's something that's made in China, that's in a completely different language, which you cannot read, but you will find a piece of paper that says, instruction manual was well, the average man right you don't need the instruction manual give me a picture I can build this right I got this this is usually how I'll try to do things and I think the last thing that I tried to build was a little thing that my uh, that Caleb would stand when he was younger and uh, and I tried to do it without the instructions and I tell you I think I probably spent 30 minutes trying to build that crazy thing and my wife said, would you just pick up the instructions and read them None of you wives, your husband is guilty of the same thing. Don't, you don't have to confess, okay? But <laughs> some of you are like, yeah. You know, we, we, all, we all have a way of doing that. Maybe you're not even a husband or, or, or a man, but you're guilty of doing the same. Instructions are not always something that, uh, you know, we, we always have the, uh, our, in our very nature that we want to do it our way. I want to do it the way that I think that is best, and I don't need anyone else to tell me how to do it. You with me? Okay. The instructions is not always something that we follow, but can I remind you today that God has given us the instruction manual, you could say, of the Christian life. Amen? The Word of God. And it is this, these instructions that it is all that we have to abide by and to live by, and God promises us a blessed life. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the promises found in God's Word? Amen? We can rest assured on these things. There's, there's without any doubt that what God tells us in His Word and He assures us of and He gives us promises of that we can guarantee that God will keep His promises. The instructions that God gives to us are for, for one, to help us to draw closer to Him, uh, but, but secondly, uh, that, it, that they would be an encouragement to us. Because the truth of the matter is, if sin did not exist, we would not need uh, the, the Word of God as we need it today. Understand that at the end of the day, these are God's words. They come from the very lips of God. But it is as a result of our sin that we need the Lord. It is a result of sin that it, when God originally created man and His creation of man and His relationship with man changed as a result of sin. And now God has given us His Word, the instruction manual, we could say, for the Christian life to live by, to follow by, to follow the instructions that are given within. And we're given that assurance that, hey, when you follow the instructions, I will build your life up. Amen? I will strengthen you. I, I will strengthen your faith. I, I, will, uh, I, I will encourage you. And the promises which I give you, you can rest assured that they will happen, that they will take place. But instructions in, in, in the Word of God are not always just how to do things. In some cases, they're, they, they are what not to do. We can often hold to the Word of God as the things that we, that we want to know how to do, but it's not always easy for us to hold to the things that we should not do. You know the things that we pay the least attention to 
usually on instructions of any kind, are the big, bold capitalization letters that say warning. <laughs> and the warnings, choking hazard, or uh, don't put near flame, flammable, you know. Uh, you know, I was just the other day, I was pumping gas into my car and trying to top it off. And as I was reading the instructions, you ever read the instructions on a, on a gas pump? One of the last things that it says on there, it says, do not top off. So I just totally failed there, right? But instructions, do we ever really actually pay attention to even the most obvious, should be the most obvious, and the warning lights that are given there? Truth be told, we don't. Not like we should. Now, sometimes it's not that we don't know that they're there. We just don't give attention to them. May I say our approach to the Word of God is often in very much the same way. The warning lights, the symbols, they're all there. But we don't often take the time to read them. And the instructions that uh, are given to Isaiah, we find that first in verse number 11. The Bible says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me. I, I get the sense of that strong hand. Here is God with his very finger. And this is how Isaiah is receiving it. As though there's a finger being pointed at him. And this is what you need to do. These are the instructions that I'm giving to you. And he says this. The Bible says in verse 11, He instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. He's talking about the enemy. In this case, it's the Assyrians. And his instruction is, don't walk like the enemy. The Word of God uses the word walk in the New Testament, referring to our way of living. That the way in which we walk and or the way in which we live would be in accordance to the measure of God and not of man. The instruction that's given to Isaiah is don't follow the ways of the enemy. Christian, can I remind you today that the ways of the enemy are the ways of the world? The way that the world approaches things? It's sad to say that we come to church and with a mind and a heart approaching it as the world approaches it. We hold the gospel uh, in our lives and the ability to be able to share it in our lives, and, but yet we approach it as the world approaches it and we could be so little to giving it out. We could go on and on down the life in our obedience to the Christian life and what we are guarding our eyes from, guarding our, our ears from, uh, protecting our mind from, whether it be another a, a, a thinking or a form of gossip or some seed of, uh, of discord. And it is all these things that God gives us the warning of and says, don't walk in the way of the enemy. Don't walk as the world walks. Hey, the way in which you're living your Christian life now, God gives clear instructions that we're to keep our lives pure. Let me ask you, Christian, are you keeping your life pure both spiritually and physically? God gives instructions to both the husband and the wife. And by the way, you have a home together, it should be husband and wife. And if it's not, it should be according to God's word because the Bible tells us uh, God's creation of marriage and God's intended marriage and, and God's purpose for the role of a husband and a wife when that is not had that we fail to follow God's instructions. How God instructs us, instructs us also to, uh, to guard ourselves from the lusts of this world. And I'm not just talking about uh, uh, sexual things. Uh, as we speak of lust as desirable things of this world. There is much of this world to be desired. There is much of this world to enjoy. But it should not be followed after and sought after before God Himself. And all God's people said... Amen. I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and uh, uh, I, he's not a Christian, at least I don't believe him to be, by the very words which he uses and the testimony which he gives. Uh, but he made the statement to say, well, what more do I need in this world? This world has so much to offer. 
And the truth is, this world does have so much to offer. But can we be reminded today that when God created the world, it had even more to offer before sin. That when God created the world, it was not corrupted by sin as it is today. You see, we look out at our world today and the beautiful creation that we see, we consider destruction. I'm hearing sirens out now, right now. The corruption of our world. Pain, suffering, agony, death. All of these things are as a result of sin. You say, well, what does this have to do with me not walking as the enemy? Because the enemy and or the world has one way of looking to things. But God has another way that we know to look to things. Let me ask you, Christian, are you following the instructions of the Lord? Are you walking in the way of the Lord or of the enemy? He gets down to some specifics in verse 11 and 12. The Bible says at the end of verse 11, he ends with the word saying, saying, and here's what you are to say, say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. In other words, he says this, don't make friends with the world. Don't make friends who are living as the world. Don't make friends with the world itself. Plural. Everyone. The entirety of it. The world should not be so much a part of your life that you're basing your walk off of. You see, the Christian life has already been given the instructions on how to walk. Just by reading God's Word and by following by it. But the instruction that is given here, the Bible says, don't make friends with the world. It is Satan who uses people. He uses things of this world to cause us to live an entirely different way than which God has originally intended for man to do. You realize that if sin had never took place, now I'm not here to debate a subject as though it did not happen because sin did happen and it has corrupted the world, but consider this for just a moment. If sin did not exist, if Adam and Eve had not sinned in the garden, and all we have inherited now, not the sin of Adam and Eve, but that inheriting of the perfection of Christ. What was God's original intent in creating Adam and Eve? It was not just so that Adam could be a man of the field and so that the woman could be a care of the home. It was not just so that they could just live a happy life on this earth and they were like little play dolls that God could just kind of watch them do their thing. The Bible tells us God created all the world for His glory. But see, we no longer bring glory to God. Stay with me. We no longer bring glory to God by our nature now because of sin. But if sin did not exist, we would only be giving God glory for everything that we do because we would not, we would not desire to do anything more. Now the choice between right and wrong would still be there, but the intended desire in a perfect world would be all to bring glory to God. The thing about it is, is today, nothing has changed except for our sin. The intent of man and the pursuit of man to God and, and the example of, of men to others has not changed since the moment that sin came into this earth. The change that may need to happen today is the change within your own heart and life as a Christian, maybe even today. That you would walk in the ways of the Lord, of the Word of God, and not of the enemy. We just shared a few moments ago uh, of some of the families. Mine also, we know we have loved ones, people that we care for. Why do, why do they go through these things? The suffering, the pain. 
It's, it's discouraging. And the world would look at it as it's so discouraging. And here's the approach that you, it is how you approach discouragement. If you get so discouraged, then you might need some counseling and all these things. But here's what God says. Find your promises and rest assured. Find peace in me. Come to my word. Find the answers there. Now, I'm not talking about the individual. There are some cases where counseling may be necessary. Depression may be had. There are those things that are completely real. I'm not saying that it's not. But I am saying that God has given us the promise in His Word that we, we follow the instructions that He gives and His approach, even into how we face the times of frustration, suffering, things that we don't understand, how much different our walk in Christian life would be. Uh, even in the areas of your work, the place that you work, your workplace, do you approach in your response and the people you work with, do you, do you approach them according to the way that God intends for you to approach them? Or do you, should I say, or are you as everyone else is? Are you just one of the employees? Or are you, I'm one of the employees who, who knows he's saved by grace and realizes that I'm working with others who need Christ, and so therefore the way that I'm living my life is with the choice and intent. Not that I'm preaching to people all the time, but that by the very way that I'm walking, by the very way that I'm living, that others would see there is something different about me. The way the world approaches, uh, you know, is without thanksgiving to God for anything. You know, uh, there's no instruction in the Word of God that you have to pray for our food. That's become so much of a proper thing for us to do. But uh, the world doesn't look at the food which is given to, to us as something to be thankful to God for. We just give me all that I can eat, right? Have it my way. Uh, the, the world approaches um, uh, the, the desires and the things that feel good in this world to get all you can get out of it. If it, if it feels good, do it. If you can make it happen, then do it. It, it. Your life won't last forever, so just do it as long as you possibly can. And, and enjoy the Make the most of it. That's the world's approaching things. Could I say today, Christian, that is not the way that we should be walking. Amen? That's not the way that we should be walking. I don't know every detail about your life, but I do know that God has given you an instruction manual for how to live the Christian life. And the question this morning is, are you living by it? Are you living by it? Are you living by every word? You ever built something before? I do this all the time. The worst things are Ikea things. They're absolutely garbage to begin with. But you put them together, and you can hardly see what's there. And then you, you're almost done. And then you realize, wait, I still have two or three pieces. Where do they go? You flip back a few other pages, and you find out, oh, it's supposed to have gone here. Well, I'll just, oh, wait, I can't stick it in there. I have to take this piece off. And then you're about to take it back. Oh, wait, I have to take this piece off. Before you know it, you have to take the entire thing apart just to put the one piece back in. Right? And, and the, the truth of the matter is the Christian life is so much the same way. When it comes to the instructions which God gives us, you can't just have some of the parts of the Word of God and expect your life to be building and growing in Christ. It doesn't work that way. You need it all. Amen? You need it all. The Bible tells us, walk not in the way of the world. Don't make friends with the world, number two. Don't trust in yourself. Verse 12, the Bible says, Say ye not a confederacy to all them whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear. There are two things concerning fear which he says in this verse. The first is, neither fear ye their fear. And he's referring to uh, the way in which their worry would be. You see, the world worries. 
I'm afraid. Well, let's just think. The world says, well, here's how it's all going to happen. The Christian says, well, you know what? This is in God's hands. I I'm going to trust God in this. I don't know how it's going to happen. God has a perfect plan in this. The world says, well, wait a minute. Uh, do, do you realize that, that uh, the, the absolute worst of this could end up as you fill in the blank? One thing I, I know even as a pastor is I have to continually be reminding myself that I can't always conclude the worst. Um, uh, if there's, if, I, I don't consider being a pastor as a job, but uh, one thing about a pastor is you work with multiple different people personalities. Uh, people have carried burdens in multiple different ways, and they share them all um, with you as a pastor when, when they're on their mind. And I'm not saying that I don't care for those things, but what I have to be reminded as a pastor is I'm not to be the person who's trying to, well, let me just tell you the end result of how all this is going to pan out. No, I, I've got to be able to stay encouraged and believe that, hey, the Lord's in control. And reminding others, the Lord's behind us. The Lord knows. The Lord knows is the one who's behind all of this. And my point is not to say that I'm God. My point is to say it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not a pastor. Our response should be that of according to God's word. Thinking and being reminded that God is in it. It's not our conclusion that matters. I've said this before, but the only opinion that matters in the Christian life is God's opinion. That even goes for the things which we completely don't understand. It's simply having faith in God to believe, God, you know best. I believe in you to know best. Don't fear. You remember when Lazarus died and, and Mary and Martha came running to Jesus and they said, Why have you chosen to come now? You should have come before. He's already dead. No, you can't raise him from the dead. By now he stinks. There's no way that this could possibly happen. And they were looking at it through the lenses of the world. They had gotten to the point of fear and frustration and discouragement. And their approach of it was, it's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? The Bible tells us, don't make friends with the world. Don't trust in yourself. Don't believe your understanding of things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of, the, one of the most famous verses in the Word of God that I hold very dearly to my heart, just the same. Trust in the Lord, what? With all thine heart. And lean not unto thine, what? Own understanding. It's our understanding that gets us wrong. It's our understanding that causes us to worry, to fear, to fret, to be discouraged. It's our understanding that is a result of our sin nature that causes us to conclude the worst. But God says, have faith in me. Don't trust in yourself. Matthew 6, verse 30 and 31, the Bible says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? He says, O ye of little faith. You read the book of Matthew in chapter 6, you would find he doesn't just refer to the grass, he refers to the sparrow, he refers uh, to the flower, he, he refers to all nature itself. If God cares for nature, and though in the wintertime it dies, but yet it turns green again, and yet it turns lively again, if God cares for animals, and though they, uh, they, they uh, would pass and, and, and reproduce and pass and you know uh, the life would come to an end and come back and, and though if God would care for 
creation that was not created in his image, in his likeness. If God would so care for that extent of creation, would he not care also for those to whom he's given the breath of life, that he's given understanding? What makes us different from all other life on this earth? We have a conscience to process right and wrong. That we would conclude in our mind that God does not care, but he does. Amen? He does. The Bible tells us to walk in God's way. Don't make friends with the world. Don't trust in yourself. Remember in Romans 8.28, God has a purpose in all things. Number three, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Now, it may seem that he is saying the same thing, but understand this. It's not being fearful that you've lost. Verse 12, he says, nor be afraid. It's not being fearful that God no longer has the victory. Where, where he says first, don't fear as they fear. You see, they worry about things. Then he says, don't be afraid. In other words, yes, trust in me. Don't, don't trust yourself. But don't conclude that I'm not here. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear. God promises us, I'm omnipresent, he says. He's in all places at once. He's omnibenevolent. He's all-loving, all-caring. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. God is all-caring, the Bible tells us. And all that he is, we can, should be able to conclude this. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. I have nothing else to be concerned about. I have no need to fear. I don't need to look at it how the world looks at it. I, I don't need to be concerned what the end result will be because God still has the victory. You know, one thing that can be rest for sure is, is doing this, that um, whether it's a loved one or, uh, or a loss, maybe even of something on this earth, there is nothing that could ever be lost in this earth that could ever be such a greater loss than that which we will one day receive to be with Christ in heaven. Amen? We, we have people we know that have lost their lives or have been told they will lose their lives. And one says, well, how do I look at this with a, with a right mind? And the instructions of the Word of God are this, don't trust in yourself and don't fear. You can rest assured in your mind if that person's a believer and they know Christ is their personal Savior, you'll see them again in heaven. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no, none of that will any longer exist. You say, well, there's still tears. Well, yes, there's still tears on this earth. God has created the emotion of, of, of crying and expression and passion with a purpose. It's not to say that we don't care and love and we'll miss but consider the victory we have in Christ, all that we have to look forward to. Amen? The Bible tells us, walk in God's way. Number two, respect God in worship. Notice verse 13, the Bible says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. I want to remind you this morning that worshiping God is not just something that is done in the church. Worshiping God is to be an everyday, moment by moment, every part of our life, way of living. We're continuing to worship God. The Bible tells us in verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts. The word sanctify means to regard as holy. To regard as holy. The Bible says sanctify the Lord of hosts. You're simply seeing God as the holy God to whom he is. 
and has promised us that he is. The Bible tells us, be he holy as I am holy. God has told us uh, of himself how that he is a very holy God. Sanctify the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, the Word of God gives us the promise that when you sanctify the Lord, when you make Him holy, that He will do the same in your life. The being holy as He is holy is not just what we do. It's acknowledgement before God of who He is, and then He in return makes us holy. But see, having the view of God and His holiness in the very presence of who He is, acknowledging that He is holy, is doing first, as the instructions tell us, not walking in the ways of this world, but walking in God's way. Because we can never conclude in our minds that God is holy when we're looking at things through the lenses of this world. You see, when we conclude that God is in it and that He is all, we are then in return, we are sanctifying God. God, you're holy. And God, then in return, He sanctifies us. You understand, we just talked about this together in our growth group, this matter of sanctification. Sanctification is, is that uh, very matter of what God does for man. After we become a Christian, the Bible tells us we are sanctified. He, what does the word sanctify mean? To regard as holy. He sanctifies us. He now... We are justified, just as though we had never sinned. We are sanctified. He regards us as holy. Now, God sees us as holy. But catch this. Just because God regards us holy doesn't mean that we are suddenly now living a holy life. We've got to choose to live the sanctified life. Okay? And the choice to live the sanctified life begins with walking in God's way. Seeing Him as holy so that then I, in return, can be holy. You see, when I see God for the very God to whom He is, I am now following His example. I am now modeling myself off of Christ. God, as you promised me that you love me, that you care for me, that you know all the needs in my life, so I'm going to rest assured that you are in control, and that as you are a God of love, I'm going to be a person of love to others. The holy living, we go right down the line. As you rest assured in your promises to me, I'm going to rest assured in the promises that I give to others. As you follow through in the commands uh, that, uh, that you've been given by God, Jesus Christ, as you follow those commands, so I'm going to follow through in the commands that I've been given in your word. And on and on and on. The Bible tells us, respect God in worship. Sanctify the Lord. Regard Him as holy. Number two, fear the Lord. Sanctification runs right alongside of fearing God. What is fearing God? Again, it is not a shriveling in a corner kind of fear. In verse 13, he says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. What is he talking about? Not the type of fear like the world views it. Fearing God is a realization of who God is and all that he's done for you. And now what you're doing is a response of love. God, you love me. You died for me. You care for me. You promised me. You instructed me. Everything that I know to be true in your word. I'm resting assured in all that is. I see you as a high, holy, uplifted God. And one, one to be respected. One who is worthy of worship. And so therefore, 
I'm going to choose to live a holy life not because of what the world says. Even more beyond even just simply what the Bible says in my reading of the interpretation of Scripture, but purely and simply because of what you have told me, what you have shown me. God has shown us how to live by His very way of living. God, is, God has given us His Word to live by. But again, I remind you, the Word of God would not, would not be necessary for us to have to live by if sin did not exist in our life. This is our instruction manual. God says, fear me. What you do for God should be done as a result of love for God. Not out of obligation. Not just because this is what um, I've always done. It's because I love the Lord. You realize truly respecting God in worship is having that reverential fear of who He is. Notice how he describes it in verse 14. The Bible says, And He shall be for a sanctuary. Number three, my point would be, we sanctify the Lord, fear the Lord, but let the Lord be your sanctuary. Some would call this the auditorium sanctuary. Some people get offended. I other one that said, at the end of the day, this is our place of worship. This is where we come together and worship of God. We consider this to be the time which we're coming in the very presence of God for God to speak to us, for us to come before God in prayer. And we're trusting God together as a church, as a body of believers, believing together that God uh, is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him and that He will answer our requests as we bring them to Him and that He will acknowledge our worship as we worship Him. This is the place that we acknowledge as a, as a place of uh, place of peace, a place of safety, a place of growth, a place of joy, a place of holiness and peace. God says, let the Lord be your sanctuary. It's sad to say that for some Christians, this is, this is the only time in which they truly feel like they have the joy, the peace, the worship, the presence of, the God, the presence of God in their life. You, you don't need a church building nor to be amongst the church people to worship Christ. Let the Lord be your sanctuary. Let God be your place of worship. Let Him be the one who is your, your source, of your center of life. The peace and the joy and, and that place of holiness is found in God. And look at how He describes it in verse 14. He says, And He shall be for a sanctuary. He describes the sanctuary that God becomes. When you view God this way, he becomes but for a stone of stumbling. A stone of stumbling. That's towards the enemy. In other words, the enemy cannot harm you. The, the stone is with the intent of causing the enemy to fall. When God is your sanctuary, the enemy will never have the victory. Amen? The Bible continues. But for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel... It would seem at first that the stone and the rock are the same thing. But understand, he's not saying a rock for defense. A rock for offense, offense to the enemy. In other words, the very temptations, the very desire for, for Satan to sift you as wheat, it cannot distract you when God is your sanctuary. His attacks can't harm you. 
His temptations can't distract you. Number three, the Bible says God uh, that um, he will be for a jinn, for a snare to the inhabitants of Israel. That interesting word, uh, G-I-N, actually refers and literally means a snare. But what he's emphasizing here is that, he says, for a jinn and for a snare. That as the enemy already, what is a snare? It's a trick. It is a, an intent to, to destroy, to deceive. As the enemy would be a snare, so when God becomes your sanctuary, the snare is turned against them. He shall be as a snare, the Bible tells us, for a snare to the inhabitants. The end result of the snare that the enemy would bring to us, that Satan would bring to us, would in turn be brought back to him. Satan cannot harm you. The assurance is this, is when God becomes your place of safety, your sanctuary, when he becomes your place of worship, and you see him as a high, holy, lifted up God, a, 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 a worthy of worship God, and you're worshiping him even outside of the church building. This is on your regular, everyday, moment by moment, day by day living. The Bible tells us you have nothing to fear. Now you're in a complete place of safety. Is that to say that you'll never sin? No. But when you continue to see God as a holy God for who He is, you'll keep from sin. Could I put it this way? When you continue to see God for who He is as found in His Word, you'll keep from sin. What, is this word of, what does the Word of God do? It keeps us from sin. It keeps us from having less faith in God. It keeps us from discouragement. It keeps us from disobedience. When we stay in the Word of God, we're going to be given the promises found in His Word that we can be rest assured that God will bless those who obey Him. And that's why He says in verse 16, that very third point as we already looked at together, He says, bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. The word bind up has the idea of laying a hold of or tying up the law, or should we say the testimony, at that time, the Word of God. What does God tell us to do? When you see God for who He is, you respect God and worship. When you are walking in God's way and how that God intends for you to do, you're holding on to the truth of God's Word. What can't harm you? You have nothing to fear. Where are the Christians that will bind up the testimony? to lay a hold on the Word of God. That we won't let go to what God's Word says. But shame on us. Shame on us. That we go about living the Christian life, which God has blessed us with, which we so undeservingly have been given. We don't deserve salvation. Amen? Shame on us for living the Christian life and trying to live in the world for all the hunky-dory pleasures that we believe them to be living life as though God doesn't even exist and ignoring all the instructions that God has given to us. Let me ask you, Christian, when was the last time you were in God's Word? When was the last time you truly picked up God's Word and you studied God's Word? You alone with God, He became your sanctuary, your place of worship, and you just let God speak to you. When was the last time you truthfully spent time in God's Word? You want to know why uh, you don't have answers? Most of the time, the reason why Christians find themselves not having the answer is because they don't know the word, out of God's word. 
When you're in the Word of God, you have a rested peace assurance of knowing that God is behind it all. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry. You don't need any more answer than the answer that's found in God's Word. Let me ask you, have you sought to study God's Word, to know God's Word from cover to cover? Have you sought to apply every part of God's Word to your life? You cannot successfully have victory in the Christian life if you are only living by part of God's Word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He doesn't say I'm hiding a part of your word. No. What keeps us from sin is the whole word of God. The word of God tells us in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Are you letting God's word give you direction? Too many Christians are wandering around like we're lost and we don't know what to do and 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 uh, we 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 just act like we don't understand why all the things in this world are happening. The, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters, the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. Don't let the things of this world and the fears of this world and, and all that this world would say distract you and keep you from your obedience to God. And by the way, part of your obedience to God has to do with your witness of Him. Amen. Let me ask you, are you following the instructions of God? Are you walking in God's way? Or are you walking as the world walks? If you're modeling yourself off of the philosophy of the world, you're following the wrong role model. You need to follow God. Are you respecting God in worship? Do you see God as a holy God, even outside of the house of God? Has He so become your sanctuary? Have you taken hold of God's Word? Do you study it? Do you apply it? Most importantly, do you live by it? Christians should be honest for, for living the Christian life and only applying a portion of God's Word. Let me ask you, Christian, are you following God's instruction? Are you following God's instruction? The truth is, we know if our lives are being built in Christ. Or if they're not. Are you with me today? You're with me, say amen. We know if we're following Christ. We know if we're not. We know if we're obeying the Lord. We know if we're not. We don't have to have someone else tell us. I'm not here to tell you you're not. I'm here to ask you this morning, have you truly examined your life to ask yourself, am I holding the Word of God, binding the testimony? The Bible speaks of that seal in verse 16. Seal the law among my disciples. The word of God is literally found as that seal, as that emblem of God, as a seal does. You put it on an envelope to seal the envelope. It is, is, is stating where it's coming from. It's keeping it in place. And that is what the word of God is to us, that we are to bind. The disciple is the follower of Christ. So we are to bind the testimony. Tie it to yourself. Live by it. Study it, obey it, meditate on it, and rest assured that the promises that are given within it are all that you need for the Christian life. Let's every head bow and every eye close.